1: This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Well, here it is Sunday. If you've got some time you'd like to lose, why don't we come along? We've got a special kind of fun day. Now, mister, don't you dare refuse, I wouldn't stay right, we're going on a journey, a sentimental journey.
3: That is what we do with every single episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Welcome to a Sunday edition, episode number 1,645. Right next to me is...
4: Jimmy! I got one name, Jimmy! Hello, everybody, hello, everybody, 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 everybody,
5: everybody, everybody. <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Riley,
5: Riley, what a pal. He's a man who's understood in
3: Brooklyn or in Hollywood. Riley,
5: Riley, what a guy. Though he's still like voters and he's tender
3: as a lamb. That is so true, right next to me is somebody who is, well, she is just a little...
1: something
3: she is in the studio for episode number 1645 hello kimmy hello and it is a sunday
0: and it's father's day
3: yes it is father's day happy father's day from the Riley and kimmy show it's dinner time now gathered about the festive board and a festive board it is indeed there's a special roast
1: for father's day chocolate pie with thick whipped cream for father's day and
3: best of all, a surprise for Father's Day.
2: Happy Father's Day!
3: Yes, Happy Father's Day! And uh, where's my gift, Kimmy? Happy uh, Father's Day to you. Oh well, thank you. Yes, You're uh,
0: such a good father to all the fur kids and the feathered kids and the the shelled kids. All and, the
3: reptiles. Yes. And the, happy uh, and, Day. and the other fur kids uh, and you know, the big ones and the little ones. The, right. Yeah. Okay. I said
0: fur kids. Well, yeah. Well, big fur kids, little fur kids.
3: Yes, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the gift that you haven't given me yet, whatever it may be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 well, I noticed you gave the one of the fur kids who's in the studio right now a gift. You know, you thought uh-huh. of him. You gave him a chew toy, which he is enjoying right now. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's not my gift, was it, my chance? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyhow. Of course not. Okay, happy Dad's Day to you, wherever you are, and happy Father's Day to your father, or father figure, doesn't it necessarily have to be a biological dad, right? That's right. That's right, because in my case, it was more of a, uh, a blood relative who was the father, and actually, other people who are mentors, males who are in the father figure role that I have, going back to all the way back to, and it sounds, uh, sounds corny, but actually, a uh, Boy Scout's the uh, Scoutmaster was actually a father figure to me for because you know he filled that gap with the absentee father, mm-hmm. and. The mentors that I had who started me out in broadcasting when I was a teenager, and actually a little bit before a teenager, hanging out at a certain radio station, they were fathers, too. All of them, you know, had their little input. And especially, as I stated, a one relative, uh, much older relative, was a definite father. So... Happy Father's Day to everyone listening to The Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you for choosing us. And by the way, right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com, we have a Father's Day tribute, Kimmy. Awesome. Yes, a golden age of radio tribute. And it's the actually some considered the top dad of all time. Even won an award in 1950 for being like the best dad or 1951 right around that time period. Being you know, portrayed on either radio or television at the time or film. And that is Robert Young with Father's Knows Best. We have two episodes back-to-back, both Father's Day episodes from 1950 and 51 is when that is. And this is not the cast of the TV show. This is a a different group with Robert Young. And the show's got a little bit more bite to it than the television version. Went from radio to TV. It was a hit on radio, obviously, for about five years and a hit on television as well. But when I went to TV, they kind of watered it down a little bit and made Dad a little less edgy, a little less harsh, if you will. But uh, definitely a fun bit of old-time radio and definitely fun for Father's Day. Check that out on our website at RileyAndKibby.com. We also have a special spotlight on this episode of something else, okay? Not Father's Day. Okay. That's coming up, so stick with us. And Kimmy, once again, what is our website for that golden age of Radio Father's Day tribute and also celebrity interviews we have and social media links?
0: RileyandKimmy.com.
3: Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.
0: Pop culture escapism The Riley and Kimmy Show. <laughs>
4: The Riley and Kimmy Show.
3: Shall we play a game? It's a Sunday, and the big question is, Kimmy, uh, well, is her brain functioning here? Does she want to go back in time and play some pop culture trivia? What say you? Oh, yes. Well, the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order. It's kind of all wacky right now. Help Kimmy out with Answers, she actually believes in time travel answers, you are in her future, She's in your past, you two can communicate according to her, just by you talking to, whispering to, yelling at, whatever. Computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now, and it could be anything, because we are mobile, we are global, you can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, deals with, well, news. Yes, news, and also a twist with pop culture. We're looking for the year this happened, within two years. It was on this date, a former professional football player and actor doesn't turn himself in on murder charges. Happens on this date, Los Angeles police chase his Ford Bronco for one and a half hours. He eventually does give up. Most of it is captured on television and carried worldwide. People are watching the Ford Bronco barely move. Down the road. Can you tell me who didn't turn himself in and who was in that Ford Bronco? O.J. Simpson. That's correct. What year, within two years, did this happen? 1994. You're exactly right. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, the Statue of Liberty arrived in New York City aboard a French ship on this date. Did this happen in the 1800s or the 1900s? The 1800s. You're correct. It was 1885. It happened on this date. The year is 1837. Charles Goodyear obtains his first patent for what? Tires. Uh, What are the tires made of? Rubber. Yes, that's what he gets the the patent for is rubber. The year we're looking for, Kimmy, within 10 years, Dr. Richard Lawler performs the first kidney transplant in a 45-minute operation in Chicago, Illinois. It's my turn to operate. Operate? Uh... Spot a finger? It's Operation
4: the Wacky Doctor's Use Game. Battery's not included.
2: Takeout is spared for $100. <laughs> oh,
5: you'll never do that. Don't touch the side. <laughs> there goes his
3: funny bone.
2: It takes a very steady hand.
3: I did it. That's $200 for me. May I play?
4: Operation, a Milton Bradley game.
3: It wasn't the game being played on this date. 10 years ago, within 10 years... Three, two, one. It wasn't the game being played on this day, Kimmy. Within 10 years, when did that first kidney transplant happen in Chicago, Illinois? Um, 1920? You're off a little bit. It was 1950 when the first one happened. Staying in the 50s. The year is 1957. This song is released. Tell us the title. Can you tell us the title, Kimmy? At the hop.
1: Well, you can rock it, you can roll it, do the stop and even stroll it at the hop. When the breath stops spinning, do your lips, or when your chicken at the hop.
3: It was released on this date, 1957, at the Hot. Bonus question, you've already scored uh, the win for this question, but bonus, can you tell us who had that as a hit? Mm, me no no. That was Danny and the Juniors. The year is 1964. This song is released. It would become the first song to go number one for this group on the Billboard Hot 100 Pop Singles Charts. Please tell us the title. Ah. What is that title? Where did our love go? Where did our love go? Oh, don't you, want me? Don't you want me no more? Who released that song on this date?
0: The Supremes.
3: You're right. Moving to 1965, this group arrives in New York City to start their first United States tour. They most likely performed this song because it was a number seven hit in the United States the year before. Tell me who it is. Yeah. It is not Van Halen. Yeah, they would cover that a number of years later. Who is it, Kimmy? The Kinks. You're right. The year is 1967. This song peaks at number five on the top 40 charts. Tell us the title. When
5: the truth is found to be lies,
3: and all the joy within you dies, don't you? What is the title, Kimmy? Somebody
0: to love. Somebody
3: to love. Don't you need somebody to love? Wouldn't you love somebody to love? You better find
5: somebody to love. Love.
3: 1967, who had that as a number five hit? Jefferson Airplane. Oh, she got it exactly right. The year is 1972. This song is released Please tell us the title. There's a port
1: on a western bay And it serves a hundred ships a day Lonely sailors pass the time away And talk about their homes And there's a girl in this harbor town And she works laying whiskey down this-
3: Can you tell me the title? Brandy. Brandy. Kimmy gets that as a win, even though she forgets to put "You're a fine girl." That's the full title. Yeah, even though that's in parentheses. But, as a bonus here, Kimmy, can you tell us who had that as a big hit, a number oh, one hit? Oh,
0: dang it. It's a one-hit wonder.
3: That's correct. Um, You're right about um,
0: that. Oh, I can't think of it.
3: Nope. It is Looking Glass. Looking Glass. Uh, who had that single as a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100. It remained in the top position for one week it reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks, stuck behind this song, Kimmy. This song kept it from number one for a period of time. Remember
1: what it's like when you're shattered, left standing in the lurch, at a church where people say, my God, that stuff she stood him up, no point in us remaining, you may as well go on, as I did on my
3: That's right. Alone Again, Naturally was blocking it from the number one spot for a period of time. Who had that as a hit? Gilbert O'Sullivan. Now, here's the strange part in the world of music, Kimmy. Looking Glass knocks that out of number one, but Alone Again, Naturally knocks it back out of number one and takes over number one the following week. That's after Billboard ranks it as the 12th song of 1972. Mmm. So. Gilbert O'Sullivan charts twice as number one. Wow, that
0: was one of my first forty-fives. Which one? Gilbert O'Sullivan.
3: That it's kind of a depressing song. Isn't I
0: guess it? I identified with it.
3: Alone again, naturally. You don't anymore, do you? No. I. She knows how she hesitated there. <laughs> do you still identify with that song, Kimmy? Do you need to lie down on the couch? We need to talk. I can get my pad of paper no. ready. Are you okay? Kimmy, mm-hmm. are you okay yes you don't feel alone do you no you're not alone you okay. have you have me you have the fur kids you have everybody who's listening to the riley and kimmy show okay you have a lot of friends kimmy okay tons of friends yes kimmy's feeling lonely well, let's let's do something about that let's help her we don't want her to feel lonely we don't like that i don't like that don't like okay. that at all the year is 1977 this recording artist releases his first solo album It is self titled. He has two singles that are released from it. Uh, They don't chart, meaning it doesn't do well at all. See if you can identify who it is. We have both clues if you need it. Try to do it on the first one, Kimmy. Can you please? Okay. Uh, Let's see if this person's sound is, well, unique enough where your great ear can identify who it is. Here's your clue.
1: When you fall in, hold on to me. When you fall hold on to me. When
3: you fall in, the single is Hold On. Can you tell me who the recording artist is? Stevie Winwood. I, I don't know how you got that. That is steve Winwood with Hold On. The other single that did not chart was Time is Running Out. Prison. is running out. that Steve Winwood from his album, Steve Winwood which was released on this date, 1977. The year is 1978. This song peaks at number 32. Kimmy, please tell us the title. I do a minute
1: my carnivorous habit Made in nearly seven a day Losing way without speed eating sunflower seeds Drinking lots of carrot juice and soaking of a race, but it's Some kind of sensuous treat. Not burger, oh, wheat, but a big warm bun and a huge of meat.
3: What is the name of that hit? Mmm, hamburger
0: something. Hamburger, Burger burger in Paradise.
3: What is your answer, Bur- Kimmy? Burger in Paradise? Well, Let's see if the judges will accept that. Cheeseburger in Paradise. We have one of the biggest fans of uh, that person, a parrot head up in, well, last I knew he was in Madison, Wisconsin, listening to us. I used to work with him. He was a vice president of sales. He was uh, the biggest fan of this person. He's probably screaming at you right now. He goes, you're not lactose intolerant. Why did you forget cheese?
0: I know. Who could forget cheese?
3: Yeah, especially on the burger. I love cheese. Okay. Can you tell us who recorded that hit? Jimmy Buffett. You should know it because you've been out to Margaritaville quite a few times. Uh Uh-huh years 1980 this group began their last tour tell me who it is oh. Was 1980. They began their last tour. Who is it? Led Zeppelin. You're right. The year is 1995. This recording artist set an attendance record for Wembley Stadium with a concert crowd of 90,000. Tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? Mod Rod Stewart. You're right. Moving to another section of trivia. Celebrity and notable birthdays, famous people born on this date, actor born 1904, his career spanned 62 years in stage, screen, and television. Kimmy, you know him for a 1983 film. We will accept the name of the movie because we don't think you can actually tell us the name of the actor. We don't think you can do it. Okay. But if you can, that is bonus bonus points. He was born in 1904, starred in this 1983 movie. He was not the star, but he was in it. Here is his voice. Tell us who it is.
1: We are commodities brokers, William. Now, what are commodities? Commodities are agricultural products, like coffee that you had for breakfast, wheat, which is used to make bread, pork bellies, which is used to make bacon, which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. And then there are other commodities like frozen orange juice and gold. Though, of course, gold doesn't grow on trees like oranges. (laughs) 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 Clear so far? Yeah. Good, William. Now, uh, some of our clients are speculating that the price of gold will rise in the future, And we have other clients who are speculating that the price of gold is going to fall. They place their orders with us, and we buy or sell their gold for them. (laughs) The good part, William, is that no matter whether our clients make money or lose money, Duke and Duke get the commissions.
3: He played Randolph Duke in the movie, the mystery movie there. First of all, can you tell us the mystery movie?
0: 48 hours?
3: Wrong.
0: Uh trading places, trading places. Yes,
3: it is trading places. He played Randolph Duke opposite Don Amici in that film. Can you tell me who he is? Hugh Cronin? That's an in- I we have to give her some points there. She actually pulled that name out of somewhere. That's fantastic, Kimmy. No, it's not it's not. That's not who it is. Okay. It is Ralph Bellamy who played Randolph Duke he was also in Pretty Woman that was his last movie in 1990 his final film and if you're a big universal horror fan like I am he was in The Wolfman in 1941 acted opposite Lon Chaney and he was in The Ghost of Frankenstein in 1942 that's Ralph Bellamy born on this date 1904 next person Kimmy known for this TV show identify the TV show <coughs> Can You Tell Me, the TV show? Mission Impossible. That's correct. Peter Lupus, celebrating his 86th birthday today, he was the bodybuilder, the big guy, you know, the strong man in Mission Impossible. He played Willie. That's the name of the character he played. He was in almost every single episode. Only Greg Morris was in more episodes than him. He was from the very beginning, and they tried to cut him after the fifth season. The producers thought, well, he's just like a wasted character. We don't need to. So they were going to cut him out. Fans found out about it, and there was protest. So he was brought back in. Now, you might have a relative who will admit this, or perhaps not. He was one of the first well-known male actors to pose full frontal nude in Playgirl magazine in April of 1974. Mm. Now, what's weird is at that same time, just a little bit before that, he was hired by the United States Air Force to appear in a series of public service announcements as Superman. With permission from DC Comics. So he goes from that, which is a wholesome thing, to the Playgirl magazine. I assume it's collectible. I don't I know. I would think so. I don't know. I wonder if he signs that I wonder if, or if he's offended by that. I know, um, what's his name? <laughs> Burt Reynolds, who was in Cosmo that way. Uh, he does sign them. He did. He, he was signing those in Orlando recently in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've heard there's some celebrities, female celebrities, like in Playboy, that don't want, you know, mm. D- don't bring that to my table, get walking, you know. Mm. So I don't know if maybe he does or doesn't. Peter Lupus does or doesn't. And by the way, until maybe recently, he was still competing in bodybuilding events. Wow. Yes, that's Peter Lupus, 86 today. Next person, Kimmy, tell me who it is, who is having a birthday. Once you identify him, tell us how old he is. This recording artist has recorded and released 47 top 40 singles. That includes 12 that hit number one and 27 of which appeared within the top 10. He's a big name. Who is it? I
1: write the songs that make
3: Who is having a birthday? Barry Manilow. Yes. How old is Barry Manilow today within five years? Um, 77. You get it? He is 75. I had big regret in your hometown many, many years ago when I was working talk radio. He appeared in the area and you wouldn't go to the concert. Oh? Yes. I had free passes for that one and you're like, Barry Manilow. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember that. Thank goodness she didn't turn down the free uh, the free uh, backstage passes for a cheap trick. <laughs> that was good. But well, she did Barry Mallow. Yeah. Thank you, Kimmy. Now he's retired. Moving to the next person who is having a birthday. Yeah, he's not performing as far as I know. As of right now. He may he may he may kick it back in. Next individual celebrating a birthday, comedian actor. He was on Saturday night live in the early years. He was a recording artist that did have a song that did get airplay on contemporary hit radio stations, top 40 stations throughout the country in 1985, giving mean, also morning shows would play this. He did an impersonation of Jackie Gleason on this single, "Tell Me Who He is.") God! God!
5: What's the matter, Ralph, Alice, Mother, and Pound? Exactly, pal, and she's the worst by far. I say she ain't as bad as mine.
3: Ha, ha, hearty, ha, hearty. It's the Honeymooners rap, Kimmy. Can you tell me who had that single? He was on Saturday Night Live. Um, no. That's interesting. Now, he was doing the voice of Jackie Gleason. Eddie Murphy was doing the voice of, of uh, yeah, his buddy there, Norton. Now the mystery birthday person Kimmy was also known for impersonating Frank Sinatra on Saturday Night Live. Who is it? Come on baby, it's time, time, time. It's time for you. Thank you very much. You're marvelous. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This is Francis Albert reminding you that it is time. It's time that for all of us to start buying and driving
1: American cars. <laughs> Recently, I visited the Motor City, and I have to be quite honest with you that I did not like what I saw. Kabish? Thousands thousands, and thousands of beautiful guys and chicks out of wake because you are not buying American cars. Now, I'd like you to meet one of the guys that America forgot. If you'd be so kind, please welcome from the United Auto Workers of America, Jerry Hemphill, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Who is it, Kimmy? Joe Piscopo. Yes, how old is Joe today within five years? 63. He is 67 today. Next person, actor, television personality, Kimmy. He made it to film. He was in the 1997 film As Good As It Gets. He played in the movie Mystery Men. He played uh, a hero who dies. He played Captain Amazing in 1999. And you might remember him as a talk show host on Talk Soup, who is having a birthday. It was a hit from the beginning. It really was. I mean, we don't really make anything here. We rely on these shows to come up with a great moment every day, and they all do. Incidentally, in case you were wondering all these years, what is the Talk Soup set? You're looking at it. Yes, it's an impressive piece of furniture. I really don't feel like I'm an expert. I still come in here every day and I watch these shows and I'm just as stunned and as amazed today as I was, uh, you know, 18 months ago. Also in honor Also in honor of National Crustacean Month, Jackie Stallone now demonstrates how to eat jumbo shrimp. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know what to tell you about that. I, I don't. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm sorry.
3: It used to be on E. That is Talk Soup. He was the original host of Talk Soup. Who is it, Kimmy?
0: Um, Greg something. Yes,
3: Greg something.
0: Um, what's remember, the initial? Remember,
3: he dies in As Good as It yeah. Gets. Yes.
0: What's the last initial? K. Greg Kennison? No. Greg. I don't know.
3: Greg Kinnear, celebrating a birthday. How old is Greg Kinnear today within five years? Um, Let's see. He's
0: 58.
3: He's 55, so you get that one. Tell me why this person is on the famous list, Kimmy. Jason Patrick. He's an actor? That's right. What horror film is he known for? The 1987 horror film. He Mm. acted opposite Kiefer Sutherland in that film. Lost Boys? That's correct. Celebrating his 52nd birthday today. Tell me why this person is on the famous list. Venus Williams. She's a tennis player. That's correct. How old is she today? Within five years. 37? She's 38 today. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Famous people who died on this date in history. 1961, this American actor dies as a result of medical malpractice at the age of 42. 42. He was one of Universal Pictures' most popular male stars of the 1950s, Kimmy, and matter of fact, he influenced a certain cartoon, Kimmy. One of the characters was modeled after this actor. Identify the cartoon. the best cartoon themes of all time. Matter of fact, one of the best cartoons of all time in my opinion. Definitely the top in the sixties. Can you tell me that cartoon? Johnny Quest. That's right. Now this actor, the mystery actor, inspired Race Bannon, who was the bodyguard. Uh, does that help you? Um yeah. Okay, he has a fantastic voice. Here's his voice. See if you can tell me who passed away on this date in nineteen sixty one.
2: Fifteen years ago in nineteen forty one the United States government started selling Series E defense bonds. Those bonds were a mighty good investment when our country was in trouble. Since the war, the Treasury Department has continued selling E-bonds. A lot of us have continued buying them. They're priced so that anyone who wants to save can afford to. Now we call them savings bonds. And that's what they do for you. Save and earn money, too. Besides being a kind of insurance for the nation's welfare... U.S. savings bonds give you back $4 for every three at maturity. I invest in them. I hope you do, too. Let's all buy even more savings bonds this year on their 15th anniversary.
3: Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Oh, I, I can't think of his name. We'll give you a few seconds here. Can you do it? No. It's Jeff Chandler, who passed away on this date. While working on a film in the Philippines on April 15th of 1961, he injured his back while playing baseball with the U.S. Army Special Forces. Now they were there as extras, and they were just uh, you know killing time by playing baseball. Well, to deaden the pain, they gave him multiple injections so he could finish the production of the film. On May 13th, 1961, he entered a Culver City hospital and had surgery for problems with the spinal disc area. There were severe complications, an artery was damaged, and Chandler hemorrhaged. On May 17th, that's four days later, in a a seven-and-a-half-hour emergency operation, which was way over and above the original surgery time, he was given 55 pints of blood. A third operation followed on May 27th, and he received an additional 20 pints of blood. And then he passed away on this date, 1961. The cause was a blood infection complicated by pneumonia. And his children sued the hospital and they won. That is Jeff Chandler who passed away on this date. He was also a singer, Kimmy. He had quite a few records out.
5: I should care. I should go around weeping,
3: I should care. That's I Should Care from 1954, and something that shows that he did care about his fans. And I think, Kimmy, you will, well, this will be really special to you because you've been to a lot of conventions, a lot of autograph signings over the years. Well, in 1954, Jeff Chandler stated, quote, I make a point of answering all my mail. And when anyone asks for my autograph, I'm not just flattered. I see that as the least I can do for the people who have given me the fruits of this world, unquote. And you don't see that really at autograph experiences. It's, it's, That's correct. It's mostly mm-hmm. an assembly line type thing. And m- not all, but some don't even care. I mean, there's not that, you know, others are great. I can name many that just love to meet people Mm -hmm. and they will talk and talk forever about whatever you want. Examples, Robert England, known for playing Freddy Mm Krueger. If you have the opportunity to meet him, it's not a waste of whatever signature. Now, some people don't care about that, meaning they are flippers. They get the signatures. All they care about, oh, I got a signature so I can sell or trade it, whatever. Unfortunately, they spoil a lot of these autograph experiences, in my opinion. And if you're one of those, sorry, but that's the way it is. You know, Jeff Chandler didn't feel that way mm. back then at all. Next individual, Kimmy, died 1986, an American singer, best known for this song, Tell Me Who Passed Away,
1: 1986. God bless America,
0: land that I love.
3: Do you know who it is? Oh, yes,
0: but I can't think of it. We'll play
3: it again for you here so you can think about it. Not kidding, Kimmy. It's Kate Smith, who <laughs> Kate passed with 1986 at the age of 79. The judges say you did a fantastic job on a Sunday, uh, considering you probably have Monday-itis already kicking in. You're not really focusing here with us.
0: Well, not yet. We're going to enjoy. Happy Father's Day.
3: Uh, okay. And remember, you're not alone, Kimmy. I know. You're, you're not alone. Not at all. Okay. Uh uh-huh. X-Files, we're not alone. Okay, just keep keep that in mind. All right. And what we're going to do now is honor something we talked about on Trivia with the golden age of radio. We have an old-time radio spotlight. Radio Watch me- We mentioned just moments ago that actor Jeff Chandler died on this date in 1961 at the young age of 42. It's no secret I'm a huge fan of Jeff Chandler's, and he did a lot of work during the golden age of radio. On this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, we've decided to focus on a show he did called Michael Shane, which was a detective show. We have an episode of Michael Shane selected called Case of the Mail Order Murders from 1949. And remember, after Michael Shane, if you enjoy Golden Age of Radio, check out our website for our Father's Day tribute featuring two episodes back-to-back of Father Knows Best. Here's our tribute to Jeff Chandler. Case of the Mail Order Murders from 1949 on The Riley and Kimmy Show.
2: The room was dark except for a ray of moonlight coming through the window. I started reaching around for the light switch. Then I saw something glinting in the air. It was a knife plate that was headed straight for my throat. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Jeff Chandler. Michael Shane, reckless, red-headed Irishman, is back again in his old haunts in New Orleans. This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to another transcribed episode, which we call The Case of the Mail Order Murders. is
4: it? Shane, Mike Shane. Oh. Hello, Mr. Shane. Come in quickly, please. Yeah. Hey,
2: look, what's did all Did this anyone for? follow you here to my apartment, Mr. Shane? Follow me? Well, not that I know of. What's this all about and why the hocus-pocus routine? I can't afford to take any chances. Oh, can you afford to tell me what it's all about?
4: My name is Kinsella,
2: William Kinsella. Yeah, I know. You told me that over the phone. You're sure no one followed you here? Sure enough. Now, you're going to let me in. On I want to stro- hire you, Mr. Shane. Well, I don't know. that's the first thing you've said that makes sense. What do you want me to do? Protect me. Well, from what? I don't know. You don't know? Now, now let's not start the double talk again. No, please, but... Mr. Shane. I.
4: Well, to tell the truth, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Yeah, I can see that, but what are? I tell you, I don't know. Sure, it sounds insane, but... But here, Mr. Shane, I received this through the mail this afternoon.
2: Yeah. Four names at the top of the page. Yes. William Kinsella, Ellen Dant, Joshua Jaffert, and Tom Swigert. Yes. Now, read what's written underneath the names, Mr. Shane. Those who have sinned will be punished. It may come swiftly or slowly or by an unknown hand, but punishment is inevitable, and the punishment is death. Yes. Yes, you see now why I'm
4: terrified. It's a death note, Mr. Shane. A death note? And my name is at the top of the list. Uh...
2: it out as a pretty routine day. I'd helped an elderly lady find a necklace which turned out to be mislaid instead of stolen, and I'd spent the afternoon at a pretty stuffy wedding reception, guarding the gifts. But then in the evening, a jittery little guy named Kinsella called me over to his apartment and showed me a death note he'd just gotten, listing his name with three others. One look at Kinsella's face told me he thought the guy who'd sent the note meant business. Mr. Shane, you've got to protect me. Money's no object. First... Now, 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 just a minute, Mr. Kinsella. Let's slow down a little. Have you any idea who might have sent the note? None. not at all, Mr. Shane. It's a complete and horrible mystery to me. Hmm. Sounds like some kind of fanatic or crank. Those who have sinned will be punished. Yes. It does sound like some sort of
4: fanatic, but... But who? Is this the first note you've gotten? No, there have been others, but I never paid much attention before because the notes were vague. But this note mentions death,
2: and it lists names. Yeah. I wonder if the boy who wrote the note is after you himself, or he's thinking of sending someone. What do you mean? Well, the note says death may come by an unknown hand. But that's the terrible part of this whole thing. I don't know who sent
4: the threat. I don't know who's after me, and I most certainly don't know why.
2: The, uh... Note says something about those who have sinned. That's ridiculous. There's nothing, absolutely nothing in my past that would possibly warrant such... Yeah, yeah. Well, what do these friends of yours say about it? Friends? What friends? the other names on the list, here. know. see uh, Ellen Dant, Joshua Jafford, Tom Swagger. They're no friends of mine. Well, acquaintances, that...
4: You don't understand, Mr. Shane. I don't even know these people. Huh? I've never heard of any of them. Their names mean nothing to me. You sure about that, Mr.
2: Kinsella? Absolutely. Well, yeah, it sort of complicates things. I thought maybe if I could find something to connect you with these other three, some link between you, we might have something to go on. But... Mr. Shale, I... please stay here with me
4: and protect me at least long enough for me to wind up my affairs so that I can leave New Orleans if necessary. Well, I... I don't know what your usual rate of pay is per day, but I'll double it.
2: You know, you're getting more convincing by the moment, Mr. Kinsella. I have plenty of room for you here. Okay. I'll go home and pick up a toothbrush and be back here in an hour. I went outside and down the street. I was thinking about how terrified Kinsella seemed to be about the whole thing. I was wondering if maybe he knew a little more about why someone wanted to kill him than he'd told me. Then, about half a block away from Kinsella's apartment, I spotted what was undoubtedly one of the last of its kind in existence. An organ grinder man. He was a stocky, barrel-chested gent. The hand organ he was cranking sounded as if it was protesting against overwork. On his shoulder perched a little monkey dressed in a red corduroy suit and a green hat with a feather. The whole sight took me back about twenty years. So I fished around in my pocket for a coin and waited for him. Hello. Talk... Uh, oh, oh. I'm Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Where's well, I? I guess you didn't see me. Sort of a dark night. Yes, a darker night. Oh yeah. You know, uh, I haven't seen an organ grinder since I was a kid, practically. So? He's not many of us left now. No, oh, I guess not. You're working kind of late tonight, huh? Night today makes no difference. Yeah, I guess you're right. Hey, it's some monkey you got there. It's a fine monkey. Pepe, you want to see Pepe do dance? No, I'm afraid I haven't the time. Uh, Name is uh, Demetrius. Uh, Demetrius. Some other time. Oh, it is a little something.
5: You total to Pepe. He cake.
2: Okay. Hey, he could play shortstop on a few days I know of. Where'd you get it? Must him? go now. Thanks, mister. Good night. Good uh... night. started cranking the hand organ again and moved on down the street. Peppy turned around, stared at me a moment and then delicately stuck out his tongue. Hm, such gratitude. I went to my room, picked up my things and went back to Kinsella's apartment. He showed me to my new room. I suggested he lock his door and also his window because it was a ground floor apartment. Then we both turned in. I guess it was a little after midnight when something woke me up. I couldn't tell just what it was, but I remembered vaguely hearing some kind of sound. I got out of bed and went out in the living room. Turned on the lights. Nothing there. Then I went to Kinsella's bedroom door. Mr. Kinsella? Mr. Kinsella?
5: Hey, Kinsella! Uh, Huh? What? What is it?
2: It's Shane. Open the door. What's the matter, Shane? You had me worried for a minute. I guess I was not asleep. What is it? Uh, something woke me up. Uh, a slight noise. I thought i better check to make sure you're okay. Oh, yes, I'm all right. Matter of fact, I was having a very
4: pleasant dream. I could hear some sort of strange music. It seemed like it was right under my window.
2: Music? Yes, uh, like a like a calliope. I, I could hear... A calliope? Ooh, sort of. Uh, wait a minute. Could it have been a, a hand organ? What? Yes, yes, that's what it was. I, I, I dreamt I... Maybe the music wasn't a dream. Well, Demetrius really does work late. Huh? What are you talking about? Skipper. Well, let's turn in again. Nothing happened the rest of the night except that I had a long dream about perching on a guy's shoulder dressed in a red corduroy suit while people tossed nickels at me. Well, it might be an easier way to make a living at that. The next morning, bright and early, I told Conseller to lock himself in for the day. Then I went down to police headquarters and in the door marked Homicide. Hello, Shane. Good morning, Inspector. How's the mastermind of the Homicide Bureau these days? Thanks. You looking for a job, Shane, or you want to borrow some dough? No. As you sometimes say, La Viva, wrong twice. I already have a job. Matter of fact, that's what I came down to talk to you about. I'm all... Here's I know. Talk, funny man. I've been hired by a guy named Kinsella who received what looks like a crank note. He was taking the whole thing very seriously. So? So, the note has four names on it. Kinsella, Ellen Dan, Joshua Jaffet, and Tom Swigert. May not be anything to it, but I just thought I'd drop in and let you know. Have it again. Have what again? A list. William Kinsella, Ellen Dan, Joshua Jaffet, and Tom Swigert. Yeah. Why, do you know any of them? Uh, How about Alan Dad? Kinsella said her name meant nothing to him. Or me. How about Joshua Jaffer? Mm Mm-mm. And I've never heard of your client, Kinsella. Only one we have a line on is this Tom Swigert. Swigert's his last name on the list. What about him? Shane, did you ever hear of the gouge killing a couple years back? The gouge killing? No. What was that? Well... There was a rich old gent named Daniel Gouge. He used to live on the island of Capri in the Mediterranean. One day he turned up dead with quite a few thousand of his dollars missing. This guy, Tom Swaggart, was on the island at the time who was questioned about the killing, but he was released later for lack of evidence. Hmm. Do you think this Nod cancella got has anything to do with the gouge killing? I don't know yet. Do you suppose maybe there's some connection between Swaggart and the rest of the names on the list, then? Let it be a guess, Shane, and right now I'm not in a guessing mood. Of course, the whole thing could be some crackpot's idea of a joke. It might. You don't think so, huh? Hey, Incidentally, how come this Tom Swigert's the only guy on the list you know anything about? The friend of yours or something? Not exactly a friend right now. He's sort of a special project of mine. What do you mean? We found Swigert down near the waterfront last night. Had a knife in his back. Very dead. It all started when a guy named Kinsella Hired me to protect him from an unknown killer Who'd sent him a death threat On the note were listed four names Kinsella, Ellen Dant, Joshua Jaffet, and Tom Swiger. Kinsella said he didn't know any of the other three So the next morning I wasn't sure just how seriously to take the note When I went down to police headquarters to tell Inspector Lefebvre about it But Lefebvre took it very seriously, and with good reason. He told me that the last man on the list, Tom Swaggart, had been murdered the night before. So, like I say, Shane, whoever wrote that note means business. In all Lefebvre, it'd be interesting if it turned out that the reason Swaggert was killed had something to do with that gouge killing. I don't feel like playing guessing games. Well, maybe we'll find out before long, huh? Shane, you're a real nice boy. Lefevre, there's only one reason you ever say those sweet things to me. That's when you want me to keep out or something. Yeah. Why? Because whoever wrote that note wasn't kidding. He's vicious and deadly. He's already killed once, and there are three more names on his list. So? So if you get mixed up in it and get in his way, you could get burned bad. Thanks for the advice, Lefevre. No charge. Tell you what, I'll carry my little fire extinguisher with me full time. You do that, Shane. Just one more thing. Oh, no, Luffy, but you're not going to give me that don't-leave-town routine again. I was going to suggest that you do. That evening, I decided to pay a call on Ellen Dant, whose name was right under Kinsella's on the death list. I looked up her address and went over. Ellen lived in an expensive-looking apartment, and she was a very smooth-looking creature. She wasn't very impressed when I told her about the note Kinsella had gotten.
5: Mr. Shane, I've never
2: heard of this man Kinsella. Why should I be concerned about his getting threatening notes? I got one of them, too.
5: But I think it's probably somebody's feeble idea of a joke.
2: Not much of a joke, Miss Tant. Kinsella says he doesn't know you. That makes it mutual, then, as I've been trying to tell you. How about a gent named Joshua Jeff?
5: I'm afraid I don't know him, either.
2: Or Tom Swigert?
5: Really, Mr. Shane?
2: That's just as well you didn't know Swigert, I guess. He got himself killed last night. Oh? But well, that doesn't concern you. No, it doesn't. Now, if you'll excuse me. Sure, then. just one more thing, Mr. Ant. Ever happened to hear of a rich old guy named Daniel Gouge? Gouge? Yeah, I used to live on the island of Capri.
5: Really, Mr. Shane? Running around
2: asking people about names they've never heard of before. Haven't you anything better to do? Not right now, Ellen, but maybe I'll think of something. See you around. (laughs) My next stop was at the home of Joshua Jaffet over on the other side of town. He was a tall, thin guy with thick glasses, a sharp nose, and a sharper tongue. They kept the nose buried in an enormous stamp album.
5: Mr. Shane, must you stand in my light? I can't even see these stamps, let alone get them in the right place. I'm sorry. There's a Have A little.
2: Quite a collection you got there. One of the best. You seem to specialize in stamps from the Mediterranean area. Eh? Any law against that? Not that I know of. Uh, ever done much
5: traveling around there? None. Now, where did I put that malta step? Now now look here, Shane. I'm looking. This is all foolishness, complete, utter foolishness. Just because I got a crackpot note from some prankster, there's no reason for you to come around and bother me with your silly patience. I told you I don't know any of the people on the list. Now, if you kind where be Mr. I Mr. Shane, will you stop standing in my light? <laughs>
2: I got out of Joshua's light and out of his house. But outside, it occurred to me friend Joshua had been just a little too quick to say no when I asked him if he'd ever been in the Mediterranean. So I went across the street and waited in the dark. I didn't know exactly what I was waiting for, but I waited anyway. Then, about ten minutes later, I heard someone coming down the street. Yeah, it was my old friend Demetrius, the organ grinder man. Hello, Demetrius. Uh, oh, it's you again. Yeah. yeah, you really get around, don't you? You, you maybe follow me, Mister. Me? <laughs> no. Matter of fact, I was beginning to wonder if it wasn't the other way around. I don't know what you talk about. Oh no, no. of course not. Uh, where do you usually hang out around town? The, the street called San Luigi. You. Uh, Been in this country long, Demetrius? No. Not so long, mister. Where do you come from? Uh, It's a long way from here. Sunny land. Blue water. That sounds like the Mediterranean. Yes. It's a beautiful place. That's what they tell me, Demetrius. Good night, mister. Demetrius disappeared around the corner. I stood there a while longer across the street and up a little way from Jaffet's house. It was about ten minutes later that a dark-colored coop turned the corner and eased to a stop in front of the house. Someone got out and headed for the door. I couldn't see very much, but it looked like a woman. Then as she opened the door, the light from the hall outlined her face. It was Ellen Grant. Yeah, the girl who said she'd never heard of Joshua Jaffet. She closed the door behind her, but not more than two minutes later, she came flying out again and jumped into her car. I started across the street toward her. Hey! Hey, wait a minute! Helen! Hey! Ah, but I was too late. I crossed the street and walked in the open front door of Jaffet's house. There was no one in sight. I started down the hall, and when I got to the library, I stopped. Yeah, there was Jaffet, alright. Sitting at his desk, his nose still buried in the stamp album. And like Tom Swigert, he had a knife in his back. And also like Swigert, Jaffet was dead. I stood there a minute or two looking at the charming sight in front of me. And then I went over and picked up a telephone. Calling me, Shane? for fever. like the boy we're after is quite a knife artist, huh? Yeah, but I'm not so sure he's a boy. You know, the more I think about it, my Fever, the more it looks like these killings are tied up with the one over in Capri two years ago.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You found out any more about what really happened over there? A little, not much. This rich old guy, Gouge lived alone, except for one combination servant and secretary. Looks like now there were several in on the killing.
1: Maybe it was a hired job, huh?
2: Jane, I told you once to get out of this deal. Now I'm telling you twice. I think you're biting off a lot more than you can chew. You forget, Inspector. I have a real strong jaw. (laughs) Just be sure you don't lead with it. The Fever's boys arrived about then and went to work. I left, and I went straight to Ellen Dance's apartment. Because it looked to me like this case was going to wind up real fast, and I couldn't think of a better place to wind it up than at her apartment. I didn't even bother to knock because the door was unlocked. I pushed it open with my foot and waited. Nothing happened. I went in. The room was dark except for a ray of moonlight coming through the window. I started reaching around for a light switch... Then I saw something glinting in the air. It was a knife blade that was coming down at me fast. I lunged to one side and the blade ripped down through my coat sleeve. I tried to grab it, but I was off balance. And then the knife came down through the air again. And this time it was headed straight for my throat. Well, there I was in Ellen's dance apartment in the dark with a knife coming down at my throat. I managed to get one hand up just in time to grab the knife blade. It cut into white palm, but I held on and grabbed the killer's wrist with my other hand. It was a small wrist, but strong. The knife started twisting up at me, so I put everything I had into one wrench and dove for the floor, twisting the killer's wrist as I fell. Suddenly, the knife went skittering across the floor. I jumped to my feet just as a door slammed. I went out in the hall, but whoever it was had been too fast for me. There was no one in sight out on the street when I got there. Oh, I gave up the chase and headed for Kinsella's apartment. And I wasn't in a very pleasant mood. Look, Kinsella, I'm getting awfully tired of this whole deal. But, but Mr. Shane, you... you lied to me when you said you didn't know what this is all about. Go. Oh. All right, Mr. Shane. It's true. I can't lie to you. But you
4: apparently know a lot of the story already. I might as well tell you the rest of Spill it. I was Daniel Gouger's secretary in Capri... He was murdered for his money. I found out who the killer was. I've been running away ever since. The killer has been following me and has had someone else after me. Someone I don't know. Yeah? Why didn't you tell the police who the killer was? I, I know I should have done that long ago, but I... Oh, I don't expect anyone to understand, but...
2: It was because of the way I felt about the killer.
4: I, I couldn't help myself. I see.
2: Just one more question. Did Daniel Gouge have any particular girlfriend? Yes, Mr. Shane. Okay. We're going to set a little trap. Here's a pencil. I want you to write a note to Gouge's girlfriend, Ellen Dan. Mr. Shane... Telly you'll turn her in unless she meets you on the corner in front of my office at midnight with some dough. But I couldn't do that. Look, I'll be there with you. I wasn't thinking of myself. I I just Look, you want to go on this way forever? No, but Ride it. Very well. What are you going to do with it? Gonna use it as bait. Hmm. You're not exactly the world's best penman, are you? I'm sorry. It's because I'm nervous and upset, I guess. I'm having a hard time forming the letters. Yeah. I'll write another note. Ah, never mind. I think I won't be able to read this one all right. Okay, Kinsella, stay here in your apartment until quarter of twelve. Then take a cab to my office and meet me on the corner in front. I think maybe we'll get this whole thing wound up. I put the note in my pocket and left. I went over to St. Louis Street and hung around until Demetrius, the monkey organ man, came along. I made a little conversation with him and invited him to the party in front of my office. Then I called the fever's office and left an invitation for him, too. I was hoping it would be quite a gathering. Kinsella was the first to arrive right on the dot at midnight. Mr. Shane. Yeah, you're yeah. right on time, Kinsella. Yes, I've
4: been riding around in the cab for a few minutes, waiting until 12. Has she shown up?
2: Not yet. We'll just stand here in the shadows and
4: wait. Uh, Mr. Shane, would it be all right if I sort of kept out of sight when she comes? I just would rather not see her after all what's happened and well, because of the way I feel about her. Yeah, I think that'd be okay, Kinsella. I'd appreciate it very
2: much. It isn't easy for me to do this. Uh, huh? Mr. Shane, someone's coming. Relax, it isn't Ellen. Shane? Hello, Lefebvre. I got your message. Now, what's this all about? Just giving a little party, fever I knew you'd never forgive yourself if you missed it. Mr. Shane, who's this? fever a friend of mine. fever this is Mr. Kinsella, my client. Hello, I'm afraid I don't
4: understand this, Mr. Shane. I thought just you and I were to be... Now, uh, wait a minute. There, yeah,
2: yeah, here he comes. Here who comes? The guest of honor, A guy named Demetrius. Why, it's an organ grinder. Mm-hmm. Mr. Shane, do you think that he is working for Ellen? Well, we'll soon find out. Hello, Demetrius. Hello, mister. This is supposed to be the floor show, Shane. You never can tell, the fever. Mr. Shane, will you kindly explain this? Oh, what's the matter, Demetrius? Who is this man with you? He's my client, Mr. Kinsella. Why? He
5: He's the one, mister. He's the one. Huh? Yes, he's the one I saw leave his apartment. The night the first man was killed. Yes, this Kinsella. Let let's have that again. Why, the man's insane. Yes, I saw him. And then when the second man was killed, I was near his house. I looked through the window. I saw this Kintel stab him to death. I tell you, he's crazy. And then tonight when you were at the woman's apartment, mister, this Kintel was there too. He attacked you. Oh, yes, you
2: little has l- got a gun. I see it, my fever. I see it. Oh. Well, I think that'll keep our friend Kinsella on ice until your voice can caught him away, Lefebvre. Yeah. So, Kinsella was the knife artist, huh? Sure looks that way. Now, if we only had the girl, we'd be... She's at... been in jail for an hour, Shane. We picked her up. Oh? Did you get a story out of her? Yeah. From what she said, it looks like she, Jaffet, and Swaggert hired a guy to kill Gouge over on Capri... The three of them then decided to cross the killer. They took the dough and left in a hurry. So now it turns out that Kinsella here was the killer, and he's been looking for them ever since. That sounds logical. He put his own name on top of the death list to take suspicion off of him. Well, all I can say is you're longer on luck than you are on brain, Shane. Uh Oh? Arranging this little trap to pick up the wrong girl. Well, lucky for you, this guy Demetrius spilled what he'd seen and broke the case for you. I guess you're right, Lefebvre. Yeah, maybe next time you'll remember to keep out of these things. I'll try to, sir. Uh, Mister. Oh, yeah, Demetrius. I'd almost forgotten you were here. Thanks. Thanks a lot for all your help. Uh, that's all right, Mister. Uh, here's a little something for your trouble. No, no, over here. Uh, uh,
5: thank you, Mister. Thank you.
2: Demetrius uh, didn't see that though you held out to him. No. He's blind. Mm-hmm. Demetrius is blind. Shane, like you say, Lefebvre, it's lucky he broke the case for me, isn't it? Good night, genius.
3: If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at rileyandkimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at rileyandkimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy Show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based. About pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes.
5: The Riley and Kimmy Show
3: Find archive podcast of the Riley and Kimmy Show at rileyandkimmy.com 18 plus.